When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bronx and Titans, Sunday night at the Sunshine Coast Stadium. Tickets available from Ticketek. Uh, we can't wait for that because it's all starting to get a little bit serious. And John Cartwright, Broncos assistant, is on the line now. Carty, just outline to me, Hills and I were having discussions about assistant coaches and who's doing what at the Bronx. Are you Alf's boss? Um, you know him well, Paddy. No one's Alf's boss. <laughs> he runs his own... <laughs> He gives himself his own job description. He gives himself his own hours. And he runs his own race. <laughs> I did. I did say to Kevin um, because he's so annoying at the Northcliffe Surf Club lunch, and I said to Kevin before Christmas, said, "Make sure that Alf's working for the day of Northcliffe lunch, and so he doesn't get down." He said, "No, he's already requested the RDO well in advance, months yeah. in advance." No, that's in the contract, mate. The, the Northcliffe lunch. <laughs> what What do you have, that, Cardi? Like a uh, Matty Ballin and you? Do you sit on the same sort of level uh, as assistants, or and what else is there? Um, Matty looks after the attack. Um, I, I pretty much just look after the the forwards. Um, yes. Lee Breers has come on as well. Uh, he's a uh, very well known from the English Super League. I think he had over four hundred games at, at Warrington. Yeah. Uh, Alf and Kevy both played with him over there. Uh, yeah, and I've been really impressed with Lee. He's, and he, he's a good lad, like most of the, the boys that come over from England are. Uh, and he's he's looking after sort of the players between the NRL and the feeder clubs. So it's, yeah, it's a, there's a fair bit to do. But, um, you know, there, there's four of us work there. Darius Boyd also yeah. uh, comes in and works with the, with the back five. And, and we've got uh, Brett O'Farrell, who's a very experienced uh, contact wrestle type of coach. He, he looks after the whole squad with that. So between us all, uh, we, we got a pretty good handle on it. You know the work of Brett. How low down the pathway does that go? The under-17s, do they learn all that stuff? Yeah, he works with the EPD as well. So that's, I'm pretty sure the age group is, they bring him in, well, they bring squads in from around uh, under-13s, under-14s. The it's not an intense. Uh, yeah. They don't get too intense with that sort of stuff at that age. Um, but as they progress through the ages and their, and their bodies mature, they they they, slow, they slowly adds more to it. So when they hopefully they do progress to the NRL squad, they've got a really good handle on the techniques that are required. Yeah. So do we read a lot or nothing into the facts that uh, Corey Pakes has uh, got the nod ahead of Billy Walters to hook uh, on Sunday? Uh, probably not a lot, mate. I think that'll. Well, that could turn into a week-to-week uh, proposition, or if you know somebody's really putting their hand up with, with outstanding form. I, they're both early in their careers, as far as a, a number nine's concerned, and it's it's a it's a difficult position to play 80 minutes. Uh, it, it can take a few years to build an engine to do that. Hmm. Uh, so I think the side the side is is going to be. Uh, I think it'll serve the team. Uh, better to have those two as fresh as we can keep them. Uh, they both bring different things. Corey's got you know electric speed. Billy's got uh, a lot of guile. So you know they, they when, when if we can keep them healthy and fresh and and send them out there just just to change the speed of the games at different times, I think it'll, it'll help the team no end.
John, what's pleasing you at this stage, this season, even if you have to compare it to last season? Oh, it's, it's been the, the off season seemed to get tougher and tougher. Hills, you you know, you do your your uh, post season reviews and you you look at where you can get better, and you know everything's pretty well documented now as far as how many metres they run, how strong they are, how fast they are, and you know they're certainly uh, all in across the board they've improved, especially the younger guys that haven't had many off seasons. Uh, Look, I'm excited, mate. I, I, you know, we did uh, crash out at the back end of last year, which was disappointing for us all. But you know, the positive in me says that uh, you know, six games to go, we were we were running fourth and and looked like we were hitting some real good form. Now, mm. all those players are a year older, had another off season under the belt, they're a year wiser. Um, yeah, so all those sort of things, you know, when you when you bring it together. Uh, the off season's been, you know, it's not, it hasn't been about forgetting what happened last year. It's about, you know, taking it on board and making sure it doesn't happen again. I know you'll tell us till our head spins that it's all about the Fords and getting into premierships. <laughs> but, mate, all fit, the back five look exhilarating. Yeah, they, mate, there's speed, there's size, um, and there's football. You know, we, we, we tend to see a lot of robots come through systems these days, but we, we've got some real talented guys with the football in hand. Um, you know, if, if, our, if like you said, mate, if, if the middles can provide a, a platform for them, uh, the, I, I believe we're, you know, we're as good as anyone in that area of the field. And we've got a little general there guiding us around as well, who, who has a great kicking game and, mm. and, and, is a, and is a fantastic leader. So, look, on paper, you, you know, it looks like all bases are covered there if we can stay healthy, but you know, I imagine... Uh, all, all, all 17 teams now are, are probably thinking the same things. Hey, when I was down there the other day, has has Reece Walsh bulked up a bit? I mean, his legs are enormous. Yeah, he has, mate. That's that's a, just a, a progression, I suppose. From you know, like I said, yeah, these off seasons just get harder and harder, and, and they spend a lot of time in the gym. And he's only a very young boy, Reece. I think he's only might be 21 years of age, so his body's still naturally growing. So it's. It's it's a it's a it's a bit of science involved when when a when a kid hasn't quite fully grown about how much to give him and you know what's too much and I yeah. so he hasn't missed a training session so I think they've done a, a real good job there with him he's he's probably put on a few kegs mate but he's he's a lot more he's a lot more powerful than than what he was when he was with us previously yeah oh, geez pumped as well to to get that jersey back on that's so so good to hear Adam Reynolds v last season remember the talk about uh, Adam after his early sessions was just sore and general soreness and you had to nurse him through a bit. Has he been better this year? Oh, pretty much the same. Once once you get past that 30 mark, like no one ever used to admit to being past 30, but you can't <laughs> hide now. It's all public record how old you are. So, like I said, yeah, the, the off-seasons are so taxing, even, you know, for a, for a younger guy. Um uh, so you, you just it's you you're being stupid if you don't look after your older players in general. So it's not just Renault, it's, it's uh, Kurt Capel, it's the guys that have had a lot of off seasons. You've got to, you know, they, they know their way around the football field. They, they've got a huge you know bank to draw upon. So they don't really, well, they certainly don't need the amount of work that maybe a younger guy needs. So yeah. you've got to be smart about you know preparing those guys. They're going to be ready to play. Uh, round one, even if they, you know, they had a really limited preseason, so they've both been there a uh, good chunk of the preseason, and you know, they if 
they'd both be keen to play this week. But as I said, we've just got to be smart about how we use them. Hey, Cardi, apart from the number of games, what does someone like to power, Marty to power coming in late into this squad bring? Oh, look, mate, he, he's a... Uh, he, he, I worked with Marty at Manly for a fair few years. Um, he's the ultimate professional. So, you know, he, he's... Uh, to bring him in at that stage, it was a, it was a position of the field, mate, where we were a little bit thin, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, and to be able to bring a, an international with it, with his experience um, and and guile and knowledge, and he he's sort of you know I I think he's in a really he's in a really good place for the Broncos to get him. You know he's he's got a one year contract and he wants to keep playing. Um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of expected of him down at Manly, but up up here he's got you know Payne Huss and Tommy Flegler, uh, Paddy Carrigan around him, so. Not an enormous amount of pressure on him to to go out and and you know get the job done for the team. He can just come here. Uh, you know he's got his work his way into the season into the into the side. He's had a, a pretty limited pre-season, but like I said, he's he's as professional as any player you'll ever see. He he, he ticks every box. He you know, he's a, looks after the body. Uh, I, I was when when you know the the club. Um, announced his signing. I was I was really excited for for a couple of reasons. My mum was you know we've got a, we've got a bit of depth there now in the middle, and that just that that power and that offload that he can bring to the team. I think it's it's going to really going to add to us. Mm, you know when you said a, it's a position on the field we're a bit thin on. What do you refer to? I just we're going to go through an origin period where you you just don't lose the origin players for those three matches. You you probably lose them for a good eight to ten weeks, you know, yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's a mentally very draining part of the year. A lot of the times, or two of the games, they're going to have to back up, which, you know, we didn't play them last year. So, you know, I'd like to think that we'll have Payne, uh, Tommy, uh, Paddy Carrigan uh, will be playing in that origin period. Yeah. So, you know, we need another, well, you, you need four uh, any given week. And then, yeah. you know, you've got injuries and you've got suspensions. So, it's just a an area, you know, when you carry the quality that we have in those those positions, it's it's hard to have depth in those positions, I suppose, the easiest way to put it. So mm. to be able to bring Marty in just to get us through that period, I think it's it's going to help us no end. But you've got him not so much a second rower, but he's a right right defender or a fringe defender. Is that the position you're thinking? No, Marty will he'll he'll defend in the middle, mate. He's a he's a I think that he played a little bit of back row early in his career, but I, I think those days are gone. He's he's very he knows his role in the middle of the field. Um and they're like I said, you're there that's the guys that are gonna be in that middle part of the year which is so important that yep. you know, they're gonna have those origin games to get through and then, you know, to play a, a game of NRL on the back of the origin it, it, it's it's such a tough thing to do. Yeah. Hey, Cardi, really appreciate your time today, mate. Thank you very much. Best of luck. I mean, it's exciting for everyone at every club because it's so close now. You can almost touch it. Thanks, Cardi. Uh, thanks for having me, lads. John Cartwright, Brisbane Broncos assistant coach, joining us there. Brisbane v. the Titans. Uh, first of the big trials Sunday, just after 7 o'clock at Sunshine Coast Stadium. Former Australian coach and the man who del- helped deliver Queensland's first ever Sheffield Shield. We'll never, ever forget that in 94-95. John Buchanan, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Pat. Good morning, Hills. G'day, Buck. Now, we were just talking. Hills has spotted you a little bit at Keyser lately. Uh, you're yes. obviously still keeping up those <laughs> fitness levels. You, you can't move anywhere in the yeah. city without being noticed. No, no, gee, it's uh, it's a pretty small place, Brisbane, isn't it? When you uh, think about it. Uh, so no, I was uh, 
sneaking in there and, and saw Hills pumping it out. Uh, he, he impresses everybody in there in the uh, fitness area. So, um, yeah, as come, always. Nah, come on, come on. Tell the truth. Keep I mean, going, Buck. Keep it going, mate. <laughs> he tells me how impressive he is in there, but is he really? <laughs> I sweated well, yesterday. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> the body shirt he wears looks pretty good on him. <laughs> <laughs> that used to be a hoodie. I'm not sure about the body. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll get there. We'll get there, Buck, won't we? Um, you, yeah. you, you got there in 2004, so close in 2001. There's a serious amount of work gone into in, in those five years in doing well in India. What's important? Yes, look, um, 2001 I went there really unsure of what to expect, and that was not just on the cricket field, but off the cricket field as well. Yeah. So that's one thing that I think, as you know, having been there a number of times, um, India is a pretty overwhelming place right from the really the time you uh, land to the time you leave. And so if you find it difficult just to cope with living over there, then it's going to make it very difficult on the, on the cricket field. But again, most of the players these days have spent time in India through IPL and various tours. So hopefully that's not such a big issue. Um, and then winning over there, it's, it's certainly about just trying to make sure from a batting perspective you, you're clear on what your game plan is. Uh, everybody will have a slightly different game plan, you know. So um, Matthew Hayden, who was very successful on that 2001 tour, not as successful 2004, but, you know, he'd gone to India to learn how to play spin and he he, he knew that he had a big reach and, and um, he could use a sweep shot very effectively against spin, uh, which meant he could nullify the spin. Um, and if he couldn't, then he was generally, for a big guy, he was pretty quick on his feet, so he, he could get back in his crease. You know, was someone like a Damien Martin um, was never quite, he was good on his feet, but was never quite um, sure about getting out the spinners. So he, he would tend to play uh, in his crease, and, and because the wickets weren't as quick, but they did turn, he was able to play uh, once the spin had sort of done all its work. So, you know, I think various batsmen um, will hopefully by now understand what technique they want to use. And then the biggest thing is after that is that you've got to back your technique. Yep. You know, once you're kind of prepared for that, then there's no turning back, really. You just need to actually continue to back it so that your mind is reasonably clear each time you've got to face a ball. Well, if we're going to break this drought, we're going to have to do it with adversity. Uh, no Stark. No, now they've confirmed no Green and no Hazelwood. Uh, that, that's mm. a serious blow to the attack, obviously. It is. Well, um, and I suppose we don't know exactly how big a blow because we don't exactly know what, what their overall game plan was going to be. Um, you know, if, if it was certainly going to be based around using their fast bowlers as a bit of a spearhead to try to break through and then allow the spinners to come into the game, then it's a major setback. If, on the other hand, um, they were always only considering taking maybe the two seamers in, uh, possibly with Green as a bit of backup, but mainly... Uh, trying to go to spin, then maybe it's not quite as big a setback as as we would think. So, uh, but nonetheless, going into India uh, and and a long tour, you'd certainly like all your players fit and available for selection. And of course, they knew um, Stark um, and Green were probably outside chances anyway of making the first test. So Hazelwood's the, the one that's probably throwing them at the moment. Yeah, but Stark's a big big out because of his value in creating footmarks mm. for Lino. Um, I, I looked at the scorecards of 04, Buck. Warney didn't play the last match. What, what happened there again? Yeah. Nathan Horrocks came yeah. in. Good. Yeah, good question. I, um, I, I think 
as I recall, it was a, again either a shoulder or a finger. I don't, okay, I injury. Just can't recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mentioned Damien Martin. He had a great series uh, in 04. Michael Clark, fantastic. Um, and it was, you know, there was Lehman contributing. There there were contributors everywhere, weren't they? Langer. You have to gang up as best you can together. And when you're in, go as long as possible. Yeah, that's right, Hills. Um, you know, one of the interesting things was I'm pretty sure we won the toss for the first three games, you know. So yes. Winning a toss in India makes a big difference. It means you you can get first use of the wicket, and um, we're over there in October. So you know, generally October is not a bad time to tour India. It's a bit cooler, but also the the grounds and the wickets are still green. You know, they're not worn out by the sun and and the constant play on them. But you know, at this time of the year, the wickets are, are well worn. Uh, the heat's starting to come in, uh, so conditions are, are, are different. But, um, you know, like Justin Langer and, and Matthew Hayden generally got us a good start. Simon Cadditch was a bit of an unheralded yes. hero on that tour. You know, he played two really uh, important innings for us in the first test and then the third test. Uh, as you said, Damien Martin, Michael Clark debuted with 100, uh, and then a 90 and a 70, and then, of course, <laughs> taking six for nine in, in the final uh, final uh, match of the, the series. Um, but, it, you know, the quick bowlers, uh, Dizzy had a really good tour. Pidge, obviously, and Casper did a fantastic job for us because that was our strategy. It was based around our quicks and then that allowed sort of warning to come in after them. Buck, we've got four spinners over there. Are you a Swepson fan? Oh, yes. I mean, I think, gee, uh, it would be very tough on him if he's not given uh, a chance to... Uh, play in the first couple of test matches. Um, and uh, again, I don't know, with injuries and, and game plans, you possibly think Australia will go in with three spins, you know, with Lyon and then Agar, um, because at least Agar can add some batting. I'm not sure where Renshaw fits. If he does fit into the side, um, Head can also add a little bit of uh, left-arm orthodox. So, But hopefully, you know, you know, when you go to India, it's always... I think um, one of those things that you think, well, we've got to play a lot of spinners, you know. Um, but unless the spinner is of reasonable, well, not reasonable, good quality, then you're far better off going with um, some medium paces uh, who you know can deliver a job for you and therefore you know you can set a field and you know uh, what you get. So, But I think uh, hopefully Swepson gets a look in and... Um, you know, let's see how he goes against a pretty powerful Indian batting lineup. Yes, we, we always worry about our spinners, don't we? They bowl it really well as well. In 04, even though you won, Kumble, Harbhajan and Kartik did some damage against you. They are just so familiar in their conditions, aren't they? They're, and quite quite believably, they might play four spinners if the wicket's conducive to that. Yes, no, although they've got... Certainly this team's got the ability to do that. And as you said, in 2004, he was, you know, I was just looking at some of the numbers that... Um, you know, Harbhajan took 26 wickets, Kumblade took 27 wickets, Harbhajan didn't play one game, So, that, and, and then you add in Cardiff who played the last game, and they, they ended up taking, I think, 62 of the 75 wickets that fell. Um, at, so the spinners are always in the game. The beauty of, of that series was our, our batsmen were, even though they lost wickets to spin, they were still able, as you said before, they found a way to actually occupy the crease, put partnerships together and score decent, mm-hmm. decent runs, but um, you know, when you look at the Indian side, this series coming with the likes of Jadeja, uh, Axel Patel and Ashwin for a start, um, they don't necessarily weaken a batting lineup. 
Yes. You know, so you can you can insert them all, and and it's still a strong batting lineup because they all bat uh, very well under their conditions and in Test match cricket. And then you could add in um, uh, Kuldeep, the league spinner, um, and and again as India did in uh, 2004, you just play with the one seamer, and then the rest are all spin. Yep, we can't wait. SEN's coverage first test uh, against India starts from 1.30 tomorrow. Hey, just quickly, uh, apart from going to Kiesa, what's in your life at the moment? Uh, mate, I'm up in Darwin right at this stage. I'm just uh, running a, a little workshop up here for a really interesting um, fuel business, Recharge Petroleum. Uh, they distribute fuel around uh, uh, Northern Territory in West Australia. So that that's uh, keep me occupied, plus a little bit of coaching at... Uh, BBC, uh, which I'm really enjoying. So, um, yeah, a few things going on. Family as always, grandchildren, all that sort of stuff. And <laughs> while I think of it too, I'll, I won't make you farewell, but uh, Paddy, it's been a great pleasure having been associated with you on uh, various uh, sporting arenas at different times. So uh, congratulations to you and everything you've done. And um, I'm sure that the future is uh, going to be uh, extremely bright for you. Yeah, well, I mean, that will include you on the sporting stages at uh, MC Functions for sure, mate. I know we'll catch up sooner rather than later. John Buchanan, always generous with your time. Really appreciate it, mate. Thanks, Buck. Thanks, Buck. Thanks, Thanks, I'll See you then. Now, he spoke very well the other night, did the Dolphin CEO, Terry Reader. At the launch, 600 of us at the Tivoli. So just a launch proceedings there. But uh, for Terry and his team, it's been a long journey just to get there, mate, hasn't it? It has. Thanks for having me, guys. It's, uh, it was a big event because we weren't just launching a, a season, and that's why we did it a bit earlier than normal. Usually that happened in the, the bye week, but we were launching a club for the first time in the NRL. And we uh, it's all very real now because we played our first game. Admittedly, a lot of the, the younger guys, up in Gladstone, but uh, we've played a game under the NRL banner and we've launched launched our season at our club and um, there's a lot of excitement. Yeah, mate, there was a lot. Of, it, it felt upbeat. What, what was the vibe that you got from the 600 guests? Yeah, and no, I, I think um, the vibe was very positive. Um, I, I think people enjoyed it and, you know, it's always a key thing. It's a marker in the a marker in the, the ground, if you like. It's a, we're a big club. We're in the NRL. It's, a, um, you know, in a lovely venue in the middle of the Brisbane city and with uh, 600 corporate guests. Um, we announced the team, we announced the captain as well. And, and, uh, you know, for the people who've been behind the club and everyone in the room, you would have heard that in, in some of the words I spoke that everyone in that room has played a part, whether you, you either supported us or, or helped get us there. And, you know, said it's a bit different. Uh, we have 75 years of history, you know, we're, we're the first the original BRL QRL club to ascend to the top flight. And in fact, really our Queensland's and Brisbane side, because we're the only QRL side to ascend to the top flight. So it's good for Queensland Rugby League as well. That's very good, mate. And I think you've been working towards this since 1984, this incredible workload that a lot of the people have put in there. Um, Finally, you must look out of your office. Have you got a view over the training field and the the main field and things look normal there? Um, But how are your managers and the board all holding up to, to get this next step done? Well, I, well, I think you, you, you. It, it, that sounds wonderful. The nice view looking over the field. We're not quite <laughs> at that stage yet because we've got uh, as much as the foresight of the, of the, uh, you know, our, our, the leaders of the Redcliffe Dolphins and the great things they've done in the Dolphins group. We actually leased office space they built seven years ago on top of our aquatic centre. Right. Uh, people have got leases, so we're we're working with. We get it. So we're in three different spots now, all over our uh, fifty or nearly fifty full time staff. So we're it's, that's probably the only bit that hasn't probably gone to plan for us, but we, uh, 
the players and the one thing the Warriors taught us is that we've got a wonderful facility, but we didn't have the, the locker room. So we built a new locker room, um, theatre app, rec room, physio and doctor room, which will be ready for the boys this weekend. Uh, we handed over, so which is just below where the staff will all be based together and had been in footy when we get into our building above there, which hopefully should be in the next few months as well. So when you, everything's coming together and, you know, things, we only had a 12-month runway and there was a lot to do and put it all together, but um, everything's working well and it's, it's exciting and, and uh, the managers are excited. We've got everything. There's, there's always a first happening. Every day, every week, yeah. there's a first happening and <laughs> whether it's the players or the, or, or the staff, there's first happening every, every week. Well, you've got one of the real premiership heavyweights, the Cowboys, although they're they're resting a few of their guns, but you, you've got a, a, a good-looking side out. Although there's no Bromwich boys or Felice Kafusi for Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening in uh, in Cairns, does that mean that Jared Wallace gets his wish and will captain this side? It does, Big Jay. Well, that's been named captain. He's very excited about that. He's uh, he's uh, I think he's pestered Wayne long enough that Wayne give him, give him the job. So he's a wonderful character, uh, Jay. Wall. he's a he's a terrific. A terrific um, influence around the club, just because of his, his personality, his nature amongst the younger guys as well, and he's he's obviously been around for a long time and played at the highest level. So he he's, uh, he'll he'll lead the boys out up there in Cairns on uh, Sunday evening. So no, he's very excited. As well as your managers and your executive and the board uh, need to hold up and plenty to do. The players, I'm sure, have been information dumped uh, big time in the start of all this. How, how have they absorbed it and uh, taken it on, Terry? Uh, I think, you know, the one thing, everyone talks about where our club's at and where we'll finish and who this will go. But the one thing I don't think anyone's really put into perspective for our club is we've got no baggage from the year before. We've got no, um, you know, we didn't sort of get bundled out in, in week one or, or, you know, where we finished last year. So, and every player's new. It's exciting. It's enthusiastic. Every day they're there the first time they've done a gym session, first time they've done a camp, first launch they've been to, first fan day, first trial, first away trip. So the excitement, everything's new and everything's exciting. And for our a lot of our players to move from Sydney and Melbourne especially, they're, they're loving the life in, in Queensland. 90% of our, our squad actually live in, live in Redcliffe. Actually, surprised me. I mean, which Redcliffe's only 20 minutes in the airport and 30 minutes in the CBD. I thought more might live closer to the city, but they're not. They're loving. They're loving the life, life there and it is a wonderful lifestyle. And... Um, they're excited, and uh, I think they're looking forward to getting out on the field because a lot's been written about them, and I know you know they don't have any pressure on them. I think they're going to surprise a few people this year. Yeah, you very quick to mention your environment down there. Well, so too are the Brisbane Broncos. They they put their arms <laughs> around Brisbane in their new campaign, haven't they? Did what, what's been said down there about that? Oh well, as I said, uh, you know, all we're worried about is what we're doing. I said, but you know, when you when you look at it, we just touched on it before. We've been around. 75 years in uh, in the BRL, and now we're into the NRL as the first Queensland Rugby League side to ascend there. So, you know, we've been around a long time and uh, the first time in the NRL, and they've got a 35-year head start on it. But uh, we had a wonderful system there. We've got six-year-olds all the way up to NRL now, and that's a wonderful environment to be in. And a club that's already got a foundation, and, let, and let's be honest, boys, who doesn't love a dolphin? Here we come. <laughs> we even had them right. We even had them swim up the Brisbane River. They knew round ones on their way. The first time in 20 years you had the Dolphins in the Brisbane River last last week. They were swimming all the way up. They knew they are on their way to round one. So uh, that was a bit of an omen we saw last week. Uh, I knew you'd be able to turn it around. I knew you'd be able to give me a yeah. spin on it somehow. Hey, uh, number one, um, members, 
where are you at with that? You past ten thousand? Yeah, no, we've we're nearly at fourteen thousand already, and yep. and uh, nearly ten thousand ticketed, which is a wonderful result, uh, starting from a base of zero. And um, the big thing is today we got tickets, just general tickets go on sale at eleven o'clock today um, here for our games at Suncorp and KO at Redcliffe. So I imagine there'll be a lot of people wanting to get in with that, and we've got still we've got our best seats on hold for membership because that's still the goal. We want people. Uh, you know, to reward those people want to want to back it. And you can get everything from a one game around that opening game, or the the battle for Brisbane, and seven free, or even four of our Northern Corridor ones to take in the games at Redcliffe and the Sunny Coast. So we got options for everyone, and uh, but more importantly, I think there's a lot of people, a lot of excitement round one when we play the Roosters, and obviously honouring Arthur Beatson, and there'll be a whole a whole lot of activity that will be around that that will out outline very soon. But I think. That's one of those games you say, I was there. You know, it's, uh, and yeah. for our members, they'll get a special foiled ticket that they'll have an option to have a frame with a panoramic um, print that'll, be, that'll go out through NRL memorabilia. And I think, you know, these things don't happen very often. And especially given the history of the club, there's a lot of excitement. And we're hoping that if we get as many people in there and, and go as, as close as we can to a full house, and then we don't have much, wait much longer to round four, where it's already brewing wonderfully, the rivalry. And, uh, I know that uh, when that round four rolls around and we're the home side at our co-tenants um, now at Suncorp with the with the Broncos and it's our home game and uh, we can't f- wait to hopefully fill the place. I think Brisbane will be uh, a very live that week. We haven't had a derby for 25 years since the crushes are in. So, um, you know, that's that's yeah. why we brought a second team in. You see the rivalry, the excitement, the talk, everything's going on, what you just guys mentioned about campaigns and how it's all coming together. How exciting for the game. Yeah, good stuff. Hey, and of course, the, the Stan Original Series, the Dawn of the Dolphins, uh, launches in a fortnight, so that'll give the fly-on-the-wall perspective to the, the building the, of this historic seven-team. Just quickly, mate, uh, we're counting down towards uh, the 9 o'clock news, but uh, super coach, relaxed or just a little bit edgy? No, he's always relaxed, Wayne. I don't know if, I don't know if he gets edgy. He's, uh, he's, <laughs> he's, 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 been around, he's been around a long time, and, and uh, as you know, we all know how good a coach he is, the one thing... People always ask about where we'll finish or what's going on. And, you know, the funny thing he said, he said, all these critics tell me where I'm going to finish. He said, I only got my squad together for the first time in, on January 4. I said, I haven't even seen him play yet. He said, I can't even <laughs> answer that question. But the one thing you, but the one thing we do know is you can guarantee they'll be competitive and it'll be a team we'll be proud of. And uh, who knows? I think we're going to surprise a few people as well. Yeah, I've got no doubt about that. It's exciting too, mate, it is. And uh, look, you move into the big time on uh, – I know we ha- we've already had one, but this is uh, against the Cowboys. It's Sunday, a five o'clock start up there at Barlow Park in Cairns, and uh, we'll be watching. And we're, as usual, we appreciate your time. You're always so generous with us, mate. Thank you very much. Thanks, Terry. No, no, thank you, and don't forget the week after we go out to KO Stadium at Redcliffe and play the Titans, where you'll you'll see our, probably our top seventeen play the Titans top seventeen as the final warm up trial. So um, there's tickets available for that, and we want to make sure we get as many people again there to. If you like, send us off into the into the NRL. So, and no, I thank you guys. Appreciate it, and uh, look forward to speaking further as we kick off. Yeah, sure, for sure. Brilliant. Thank you, mate. Dolphin CEO Terry Reader. There, it's long driving hills. You've yeah. been doing a little bit of research on this. We've got Matt Stubbs on the, on the line from the Gold Coast. Matt, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. You're Cheers, right, mate. mate. No problems. So now, what's coming up? There's events coming up, isn't there, for this long drive? And we're going to get into the mechanics and the science of it shortly. But but what have you guys got on your on your roster? 
Yeah, so it's going to be a busy 2023 for myself and Seb Twaddle. Um, we're two of 48 athletes in a select field competing on the World Long Drive Tour in the US this year. Um, and then we're going to supplement our schedule with um, some additional events on some smaller tours in Canada, Europe and Asia. But yeah, the big one's the World Long Drive Tour this year. And uh, how many events is the World Tour? So there'll be 11 events right. and then the World Championships all in the US. Yeah, okay, that's great. Um, now, you, you mentioned Seb Twiddle. Uh What about Joel Taylor? Is he in those 48? Uh, no, he's not in that, that field this year. He, he just looks scary, doesn't he? Does he scare you blokes as well? Or? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, not, not now that we hit it further than him, so that's all we judge it on these days. Yeah, right. So, so, and this is brand new, the World Tour and culminating in the World Championships. Well, the, the World Long Drive Tour was around before COVID. Uh, COVID, unfortunately, put it to a halt and another organisation came in and took over, but it's back stronger than ever. Uh, an investment company purchased the rights for the for the competition and they've splashed a lot of money into the event uh, and it's going to be big and keep growing every year now. So you train out of Indrapilly, but obviously you're about to spend a lot of time on the road. Correct. Yeah, my our coach is based at Indrapilly Golf Course, Craig Parker there. Um, but yeah, we'll be spending a lot of time, uh, especially in the US this year, and then dashing across to Europe for events when we can. Mm. Um, was that Nevada comp quite recent? The the latest one where Borgmire uh, beat Deshambo. Yeah, that was in September last year. Oh, yeah. not not that recent. Yeah. Okay, so 426 yards got the job done there. It, it's where the ball comes to rest, doesn't it? And in the in the sector, you've got to keep it straight as well. Correct. You do need a lot of power, but you need your finesse to control it and keep it in the 60-yard wide grid. Mm. All, All right, right now yeah. we'll get into the basics. Yeah, let, let's, let's get into a bit of the science of this. So obviously you, you're looking near 400 metres to be competitive. I mean... Number one, that's mind blowing. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and no. so yeah. at in at Indra Pilly, yeah. Do you, do you hit yep. into nets or how, do you run out of room, at Indra? Have they got a good area for you? How do you go about it? Yeah. So there's there's no driving ranges anywhere no. near us that allow us to hit actual balls um, out the back of their driving range. It'll cost them too much money. Yeah. Um, we have a. <laughs> We have an, an, a net sponsor that we, we smash golf balls into and we have um, a, a track man which very extensively tracks the data from each ball. Um, so despite hitting into a net, we do have accurate data on, on how each, each shot's coming out. Yeah, um, but when it gets closer to, to us leaving and when the members go home, we'll, we'll move the net to the side and, and oh. get a few balls out the back. You'd go into the river, into yeah. the river at the uh, at Indra, I suppose. Yeah, it's uh, we've measured it on we've measured it on Google Maps, and it's yeah, three hundred three hundred sixty meters from the the range to the to the river. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, if you quite, went to, if you went, these days. if you went to the water's edge at Indra Pilly, you'd almost head it to Brisbane Golf Club over yes, your old Pilly, wouldn't you? It's a par ten. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what about? What about club head speed, which is obviously vitally important when you're talking long drive. Your club head yeah. speed, say, to someone like Heels, who's, what are you, a 12 marker? Yeah. Yeah. So, so to a, a good club golfer, what, what's, talk, yeah. the, talk the club head speeds. 
yeah, so I'll give Heal some, some credit and say he's, he's well above the, the average golfer that swings at 90 miles per hour on course. Um, then you got your, your average PGA Tour pro at about 117 miles per hour. Um, my current PB for club head's 155 miles per hour, and, uh, <laughs> Seb's, to, and Seb's current PB is 158.8 miles per hour. So, right. yeah, it's a, it's a whole other level that, that we push the sport to, and it's, it's really something crazy once you can see it and appreciate it in person. Now, explain to us, um, you're good at explaining this, how you create that club speed, that club head speed. Yeah, so it's a it's quite an extensive approach to the to the to the golf swing for for long drive. We're trying to optimize every possible facet of our body to increase rotation and increase torque, and then come screaming back at the ball at, at full speed. So yeah, it's quite impressive what what we're able to do with the body to maximize speed yeah. Yeah, i was going to say you'd have to be pretty elastic wouldn't you yeah a, a, a certain amount of flexibility definitely helps uh just a, a a strong strong explosive power base across the whole body is is vital and uh you know bryson DeChambeau, he was talking about he's gone into sort of what do you call it um squeezing your organs as well do you feel that sort of pressure that internal pressure yeah you do you, especially at the at the top of the at the top of the rotation you really want to feel that squeeze across your body you at that point you're kind of treating your body like a like a spring or a rubber band and you're trying to wind it up as tight as you can to just let it go like a bullet back towards the ball and your clubs are long they're really long how compared to a uh, an average golf club driver how much longer is it and the the um uh, what do you call it slope on your you know degree of loft on your drivers the loft yeah uh yeah so your average golfer will be swinging a driver between 44 and 46 inches uh and then theirs will have about 9 to 12 degrees of loft um, so we push it to the, the very end of golf regulations because these clubs are still legal. Uh, we swing 48-inch shafts, and then we'll generally run ahead at three or four degrees. And I, I read in Nevada, you really lofted it up, and you could lo- loft it up so that it flies longer and higher. You've got to vary all these uh, dimensions for the the airspeed and everything, don't you, if you're at altitude or near the sea or in the humidity of Australia? Yeah, correct. It it, it does vary slightly. Uh, in, in America, uh, especially at the, the last event and the first event, um, at the altitude, you, wanna, you generally want a, a little bit more spin so the ball will stay in the air longer and then launch it between 14 and 16 degrees uh, optimally <laughs> and the ball will just... <laughs> It was quite crazy seeing him skate and the, the difference of the ball flight in Australia. It just stays in the air and floats. So he just hit it hard and hit it high and the ball will go forever over there. Yeah, see, I love that. I love to hit it hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hey, remember Matt, the straightness, Paddy. Best of luck with this. It's a, it's a fascinating topic. I love the long drivers and I think, you know, it's... It, it, it makes for great television. I think it's a great broadcast event. And just get up there and smack it as hard yeah. as you can. Every golfer can relate to exactly. that. Yeah. 
And, well, and you blokes must smash it in the gym too, obviously. What are the important areas that you can work on in a gym? I suppose it's legs and sides. Yeah, we do have an extensive gym program. Um, we focus a lot on, on rotational rotational forces, a lot of uh, single leg exercises, uh, but just a, a whole workout a, a, across the body. It's important to be strong in, in all areas. Good stuff. All right, Matt, thanks for joining us today. We wish you the best of luck. Stay in touch with you and just uh, tell us how, how you're going over there. We'd love to know. We'll do. We'll be in, we should be in contact a lot this year. It's going to be a great year. All right, Matt Stubbs. Good luck, mate. He'll be over there on the Long Drive World Tour. <laughs> Uh, smashing it out a long way. Wishing see, the best of luck. So you don't want to pull aside like a Josh Hazelwood, do you? In, no. in the third third event of eleven. No, that's exactly right. That, that they've got to stay right on top of it.